Ooh, I, I did that on the fly. Ooh, I didn't even, oof, oof. Brandon is feeling himself today, and please put that in the podcast. <laughs> Let that make the final edit. Let the uh, listeners know. The Pope <laughs> is dope today. That was <laughs> Welcome to the first inaugural Young, Black, and Political episode. This podcast is the brainchild of, of four people, four passionate uh, young Black people. We know each other from college, and uh, I'm really, I'm proud of these folks because they've all managed to do some pretty amazing things um, in political circles. And me, uh, I'm, I'm in the media circles. And so we just thought, uh, with all that's going on and um, the pressing issues that we as a community face, um, it's important that we do our job and use our platform to educate, especially black millennials who I feel like and we feel like are really the future and are really going to be pivotal, not just for this election, but elections going forward. And so um, that's what this is all about. We're about 100 days out from the November presidential election and the primaries as well. Pivotal elections and our vote as black millennials, it is crucial. So we'll be having a series of interviews and discussions with different guests and experts from all around the political sphere to break down different issues um, and different questions you may have about the process and to keep you informed and ready for November. So with the pandemic hitting, there's been a elevated conversation around vote by mail. Mail-in voting has become a bit of a hot button issue lately. So I spoke with Anthony Fowler. He's a political scientist over at University of Chicago to kind of break down the issue and some of the drawbacks and the positives of this new system. Mm -hmm. All right, well, we'll get started here. Really appreciate you joining me. So um, vote by mail has been you know, a hot topic right now, especially as we've entered this pandemic. Um, when it comes to voting by mail, first of all, have you had a chance to experience what vote by mail is like yet? I have. I just did it for the very first time um, in our in Illinois primary, which was uh, was that in, that was in April, right, or March? Sorry. Yeah. Um, so I just voted for the voted by mail for the first time in my life, um, and it was partly because of COVID nineteen. I thought, you know, well, you know, this is the situation's getting worse, and I should apply for a mail ballot. And uh, when I did it. I found it to be actually a pretty good experience. I don't, you know, I don't know if, if you agree with me or not, but going to the polling place can be kind of stressful. You know, there's those long lines. There's, it's a little bit hectic. Um, sometimes there's people yelling at you because you did the wrong thing or you put your ballot in the wrong place, and you don't have any of that. You can sit in your living room. You can fill out your ballot. The other nice thing about voting by mail, um, and there's some research along these lines as well. Another really nice thing about voting by mail is that you can take the time to maybe cast a more informed vote. You know, we in Illinois vote on lots of different offices. So you might already know who you're gonna vote for, for governor, or for Senate or something like that. And then, and then it turns out, oh, there's all these judicial elections. I didn't know anything about them. I'm gonna go look them up and maybe you actually end up casting a more informed vote as well. So I actually found that experience to be much more enjoyable just as a voter, not as a, not as a researcher or political scientist. And I probably will continue casting my vote by mail um, as long as I can. Yeah, I remember uh, voting in the primary um, I did not get, to, I did not vote by mail by that time. I actually went to my polling place and there was anxiety because of the, the COVID-19 as well. It's like, you know, mm -hmm. and I, I was worried about turnout too. Um, but having vote by mail there seems like it could be a, a good option to kind of, uh, buffer that. 
Um, so in the research you do, what does it suggest about how other people feel about voting by mail right now? There are some, some mixed results about vote by mail. I mean, if you just ask people in a survey, um, would you, you know, would you vote by mail if that was your only option? Or do you trust that, you know, ballots cast by vote, you know, by mail are going to be counted correctly and so on? People have relatively report, you know, low confidence in voting by mail and they say, no, I don't want to vote by mail. Um, and so if you just kind of ask the survey questions, people will sort of report that they're not enthusiastic about voting by mail. But in fact, when states have rolled out voting by mail as kind of the main option, like we've seen, we've seen this now in, uh, in Colorado and Oregon and, and Washington and, and Utah and California have done this to a very large extent where essentially there's all mail elections where every voter automatically gets mailed a ballot and has the opportunity to just cast their ballot by mail. Most people seem to like it and it actually seems to increase participation. Um, it's not a huge number, uh, but it, it seems to increase participation by maybe one or two percentage points. Um, I'm sure that number would be a lot bigger in the midst of a global pandemic where people are worried about going outside and interacting with, you know, with, with people closely and waiting in line at a polling place and so on. Um, um, so these are not transformative effects, but they're especially important effects to think about right now. Given the, the Definitely. Um, but a lot of talk around vote by mail as well centers around this fear of potential for voter fraud. Is there an increased risk for voter fraud when we talk about vote by mail? So yeah, this is a very politically contentious topic for, for reasons that you can anticipate. Um, and, I think, and I think the reason that it's so contentious is because there is in fact some extra risk of fraud that comes with mail voting. Um, you, know, you can imagine all kinds of extra concerns you would have if you were administering an election by, by mail versus, versus by polling places. Uh, for example, you, you don't necessarily know if the person who filled out the mail ballot is the person they said they were. Or you don't know if they, you know, you don't know for sure if they were coerced or not, right? Where, you know, nobody, nobody's allowed to come in the polling place with you and tell you how to vote and look over your shoulder. But they could be doing that in your living, in their living room, and they could be coercing you, and they could be watching you put the, put the ballot in the mail, and uh, you know, your county election official would have no way of knowing that that happened. So there are certainly additional security risks that come with, with voting by mail. Um, at the same time, this is, you know, I think, I think a lot of the concerns that you see are a bit overblown. Right? There, there, there are these extra risks and we should not be complacent about those risks and election officials shouldn't be complacent about those risks, but the actual known cases of voter fraud in mail elections or in in-person elections are very minimal relative to the, to the sheer magnitude of elections. And so I think the fact that there could be some extra risk doesn't mean that we should necessarily avoid mail voting altogether, but it means we should be very careful about it and do the best we can to, to mitigate it. You mentioned how this could be a politically contentious issue. Um, we see states like Texas and Florida, governors out there all out, you know, rejecting the idea of mail-in voting. Why is it such a partisan issue? I suspect the reason it's such a contentious and partisan issue is that people believe that vote by mail has partisan electoral effects. You know, there's a general sense out there, and this is, you know, this is true, and, and there's a lot of research on this, that the people who vote are not necessarily representative of all the people who are eligible to vote. White people, rich people, older people, educated people, churchgoers, they're more likely to vote than, other, than their counterparts in, in, in the eligible electorate. Um, and that likely has some kind of partisan consequences. So if, if in fact we did have something like universal voting where we got everyone voting, that probably would change, it would change a lot about, about the political system. And you can imagine that the incumbents who have been elected under the old system 
don't want to don't want to shake things up. They don't want they don't want a system that could potentially benefit one party or the other. Could potentially change incentives for politicians and so on. So you can certainly imagine why somebody would oppose electoral reform of any kind, especially one that they think is going to significantly increase participation or change the nature of participation. Um, when, when researchers have looked specifically at the partisan effects of vote by mail, they actually find there is not a big partisan effect of vote by mail. So like I said before, vote by mail only increases turnout by maybe one or two percentage points. It's not a huge effect in normal times. Um, and, and there doesn't seem to be a huge advantage that goes to one party over the other. Um, in fact, it's, it's very difficult to detect any clear partisan advantage. So um, it could, some of these concerns could in fact be overblown, but I'm sure, I'm sure um, various politicians, various elected officials who have benefited under the current system are reluctant to change things and worried that it could potentially hurt them or their party or, or change politics in some other way that would be disadvantageous for them. In your opinion, kind of looking forward, what does the future of vote by mail look like? You think we're gonna see more of an expansion of it because of what we're seeing now? There's, there's certainly a chance of that. I think it's really hard to know. It's hard to, and I, and I shouldn't make any strong predictions about that. Um, I think a lot of states are going to, or and, and counties are experimenting more with vote by mail now than they ever have before. And um, even if they already had voting by mail as an option, they are going to see far more mail ballots, you know, in November than they've ever seen before. And that, you know, that's going to be a challenge for election officials. And it'll be interesting to see how all of that shakes out. It could be that we find that voting by mail is really convenient. It's good for participation. Maybe administratively, it turns out to be a good thing, or it could be there are actually problems, and, and maybe that'll actually be a setback for vote by mail um, in the future. Um, so I think, I think it's hard to know for sure, but there's going to be a lot more experimentation than normal with voting by mail this year. All right. Anthony Fowler, thank you so much. Uh, really insightful stuff there. And uh, the debate rages on. <laughs> Thanks so much. It's really good to talk to you. So that was so good, Brandon. I think Anthony brought up so many valid points of, you know, why those on the right are worried about voting by mail and what, you know, that may represent to them. Um, one of the clarifications that I like to make, and this is a really nuanced thing, but there is a difference between absentee ballot and vote by mail. Um, currently, there are five states, um, Washington State, Utah, Oregon, and a couple of others who have what's actually known as vote by mail, meaning the state will just send you your ballot in the mail. You don't have to request it. You don't have to ask for it. It just shows up in your mailbox before election day. But most states have what is known as absentee ballot. And I just want our listeners to know, like, if you would like to vote from the comfort of your own home, you need to request a ballot. If your state is an absentee ballot state, not a vote by mail state, you need to make sure that you fill out the paperwork for, that your local board of elections has so that you can make sure you get an absentee ballot sent to you in the mail. Yeah, hugely important. You gotta, gotta make sure you signed up. You also need to make sure you're registered to vote. I mean, that's really uh, <laughs> the, the first step too, that's essential. Um, but for a lot of people, believe it or not, that is something that is kind of foreign to them. So how do we get registered to vote if we actually want to take part in uh, this upcoming uh, campaign? There's so many ways, Brandon. I, you know, um, one of the resources that I point people to uh, frequently is when we all vote. 
Um, and when we all vote is an initiative that is that is about exactly that. Uh, what can happen uh, positively when we all participate in the process? And it's about helping you get registered. It's also about helping you understand what your options are. Are you going to uh, vote by mail, absentee? Are you going to vote early in person? A lot of states um, have a period of time before November third, election day, uh, that allow you to vote early, so you can you can miss some of the long lines. Um, that you might expect on election day. Um, and so that's a great resource to really navigate, um, one, making sure you're registered in your state, um, but also that you know what the options are in terms of how you're gonna vote um, in your state. And any of those options are fine. And, and speaking of options, I think as being young, black and political, <laughs> we have to talk about the sentiment in our community that vote by mail can be fraudulent or absentee voting can be fraudulent. You know, mm. I think when you have a hundred plus years of voter suppression, it, you can feel that if you don't see your ballot going into the actual ballot box, that there could be some funny business in between. Um, but I think, you know, they've shown that voter fraud is, as Anthony said, voter, the actual um, instances of voter fraud are very low. But I think the conversation we need to be having is reasons that ballots get discarded, uh, absentee ballots get discarded. And I think knowing the reason that ballots, your absentee ballot may not get counted can make people feel more comfortable in submitting one. Uh, one of the big ones that I'm always talking about, because it happened to me in 2016, is the signature. So at the bottom of every absentee ballot, you have to sign it. The reason that you have to sign it is because the Board of Elections is going to match a signature at the bottom of your absentee ballot with the signature on your voter registration card. Now, I registered to vote when I was 17. I don't even know what my signature looked like at 17, but I can guarantee you it is very different from what it looks like now. So in 2016, when I filled out an absentee ballot and I sent it in, it was discarded because the signatures did not match. Wow. Yeah. And here's the kicker. I did not find out that it was discarded until three weeks after the election. Oh, that's, that's ridiculous. Yes. So, and at that point, right, when your absentee ballot is discarded, like, once the election is over, there's no legal remedy that you have to get your vote counted. It just sucks to suck. You just out of luck. Wow. So all this time you thought your vote counted and like no one told you nothing. And then three weeks later, it's like, hey, by the way, uh, nah. Yeah. Sent me <laughs> a letter ridiculous. Email that were like, hey, just by the way, uh, this didn't match up. So we threw it in the trash. Okay, great. Stay blessed. And again, I voted in Florida and, you know, we can have a whole podcast about election issues in the great state of Florida. Uh -huh. But, um, you know, I just want people to know that if this is the method of voting that you are going to do, send it in as early as possible. Because had I been judicious enough and had somebody told me that that was a possibility, I didn't even know that was a possibility. But had someone told me that, I would have filled it out a month you know, in advance, because I got it about 30 days out, I would have filled it out as soon as I got it. And then by the time that they discarded it, I would have known and been able to vote in person. Mm. But I sent it in at like the last possible minute. And so by the time I got informed that my ballot was rejected, there was nothing that I could do. So yeah. that's just my little thing. You really got to plan ahead. Um, mm -hmm. That's that's wild to me. 
Um, I, I wonder if there's a way you can update your signature to reflect, you know, your modern way of writing. Because yeah, like you said, the way I wrote when I was 17, cursive is way different than what I do now. Now it's more of a squiggly, whereas I was being very precise back then. Okay. Mm. <laughs> so there, there's, there's differences there. So uh, I think it's important to note that. I, I thought it was interesting, Anthony mentioned, you know, one of the benefits of vote by mail in his opinion is that he thinks you'd have more time to actually, you know, look up the different races and candidates. Um, one thing that's big here in Chicago that people are always like, huh, is the judges and uh, all those, the, 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 the water reclamation district commissioner and all these little positions that you don't like, they're not sexy, right? They're not things that pop up on the newscast, but if you have a mail-in ballot, you probably have a little more time to actually take a minute and like look up some things and understand what you're voting for than actually going into a voting booth and then right there in front of you is these options, pick one, right? So I think that was an interesting point as well. And having that time works to your benefit too, so you can make sure you get all those issues checked out. Um, like, hey, is this signature gonna be, is this gonna work? Brandon, yeah. so important, and I'm glad you mentioned that. You know, folks can, can request from their county board of election, often find online a sample ballot. Um, in their area, um, and, and Stephanie, you might know better, um, you know, they're available at different time points in different jurisdictions, but you'll be able to go and look at the sample ballot and know who's going to be on yours. And so do that research about those, you know, water reclamation district in, in Cook County, uh, uh, Illinois, um, but your judges, those prosecutors, um, and really get, a, get an understanding of their record, where you stand on those issues, um, and really be informed when you go in early to vote, when you decide to, to mail in your ballot, or you vote an election that you have already looked at the ballot, and you'll feel so much more comfortable. I think, you know, I was talking to Stephanie about this a couple of weeks ago. There's nothing worse than on election day, um, being in the voting booth, or when you go vote early and feeling dumb because you don't know what's on the ballot, right? You're all by yourself. I've been there. <laughs> and you feel dumb by yourself and you don't have to. So have a voting plan in that sense, right? Know what's on the ballot. You've looked at it. You know how you're going to go do it. You know who has the kids if you have children. You know that you have the time away from work. Um, you know, someone's taking care of mom and some, if somebody needs to take care of mom while you go handle that civic duty. Um, and so have a voting plan, um, but also know that you have ample opportunity to look at, at your ballot before election day and make an informed decision. Yeah, and to... Um, I want to uh, hammer this point home. Like, if you are afraid of COVID-19 or potentially catching COVID-19 and going, you know, when everybody goes to the ballot box on election day, definitely taking advantage of voting by mail or absentee voting is something that you want to pay attention to and look forward to. That way you can potentially avoid being in a high populated area in the event that we do get a spike in cases coming in the fall. Um, so you know, do your research and protect yourself this upcoming election um, and definitely take advantage of voting yeah. by mail. Yeah, and I think you're, oh, go ahead, go ahead, Steph. Yeah, no, Jordan just, I'm going a little off the cuff, so y'all <laughs> roll with me. Hey, roll but <laughs> Jordan, you know, you were talking about high populations when, or just a lot of people going out to vote at the same time. Another thing that we need as you know, we need you to be informed about voting by mail. We need you to register to vote. We need you to take all the time and opportunity you have right now because you should be home 
Corona yes. is still real, so y'all should be home. Yes. Uh, Social distancing, you stay home. Right, with Tell your mask. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you have time to research candidates, but there's also, you can sign up to be a poll worker. And a lot of the issues that they had in Kentucky and Georgia and in other states are that there weren't enough people as poll workers. I don't know about you, but every poll worker I've ever met has been on this side of glory, but barely. Mm. At least, you know, 102 and just kind and smiley and just wonderful. Mm. And they are not going to be poll workers anymore because they don't want to die of the COVID. Mine ain't always kind and smiley, I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, honey, you, you're voting in Cook County. That, they might be a little different over there. <laughs> they'd, be, they'd be snapping at you. <laughs> what you mean you don't know where to go? <laughs> y'all, y'all get you questions, a you ask a question. Maybe combative. <laughs> Here in the South, they are kind and gentle and wonderful. <laughs> the church mothers out of North to get you together real quick. <laughs> yeah, no. they will. That make you feel bad about not knowing. They know what you're doing, boy. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I welcome you all down to, to the South where people are genteel and kind, you know, welcome, please come. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I've never had a young poll worker, not that I have seen in my, almost, in my 10 years of voting. And so I, we need to change that, right? Because I don't want my Mima being a poll worker, to be honest, you know? There's a woman I call her Mima. She's basically a second mother to me and has been a poll worker ever since Shirley Chisholm. Mm. Like this woman has not missed a general election sitting in on that those little white tables checking people in to go vote and handing people their ballots. She will not be doing that this year because she's 80. Mm. And so what does that mean? The fewer poll workers we have, the longer the lines are going to be, the more we can't get people through. So I would just implore our listeners, like, and some states actually pay you to be poll workers. Not a lot, but something is better than nothing. So I would just, you know, implore everyone listening, like, see how you can help. If you have some time, if you have a high school student, like some states will offer them those uh, community service hours they need to graduate, like teach them their civic duty early. And just do a couple of hours, you know, helping check people in to vote because that'll make the process so much better for everyone. Mm -hmm. You mentioned pay there. Uh, yeah, some pay, some don't. In Cook County, you can make as much as uh, $200. That's the minimum oh. for being a poll worker on election day. I think the max is 365. So, uh, hey, y'all got money in Illinois. Y'all had stopped <laughs> get budgets for years, but now y'all got all the coin. Listen, it's a nice piece of change. You know, we need to be worried about our uh, our high debt with <laughs> and, and spending as a state. But hey, we we pay our election workers. That's for sure. Okay. Come on, democracy. It's all about the civic advocacy. Okay, get people out there working. Uh, I wanted I wanted to mention here uh, another good old voting organization. LeBron James, my boy, he's lost his own more than a vote organization to fight. Uh, voter suppression. And it made me kind of think about this whole idea around celebrities. We saw LeBron and a lot of other celebrities come forward in the 2016 election uh, to endorse Hillary Clinton. You saw other celebrities like uh, Clint Eastwood standing out for Trump. Um, in the election, though, many were questioning how much celebrity endorsements actually matter. Did the LeBron rally or the Beyonce Jay-Z rally in Cleveland actually impact the polls at all. Um, and now we're having more conversations where you have uh, high profile people like J. Cole, 
um, Kanye, Chance, Terry Crews, speaking their mind, using their platform. Um, and so it, it becomes a question of like how much influence do these celebrities actually have? Do they actually uh, speak for us on the ground, us everyday black folk here? What do y'all think? I just want to know who's put Brother Terry Crews on their prayer list. That's, that's all <laughs> I would like to know. He right. needs to be, because this man is defiant. He is defiant. He is, right. ooh, you know, Chance the Rapper uh, backed up off his whole Kanye 2020 stuff as soon as Terry Crews quote tweeted him saying, that's right, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's how you know. You get the Terry Crews seal of approval. That means you need to back up. Back up. Yeah. And look, I like I don't know what type of relationship uh, Chance the Rapper has with Kanye West, but this is like the second time I think he has come to bat for him, like for whatever reason. And I do think that sometimes when celebrities get involved in politics, sometimes celebrities can become distractions with their ideas, because at this moment in time, like there's no way like Kanye didn't even fill out the forms to uh, run for president and there's no way he can potentially garner any you know votes to become a you know a candidate unless he becomes a I guess runs independent for whatever you know with a new political party called the yeah. Party, party it's not really right so like there's no real way for Kanye to win so why are we even entertaining this and as a celebrity uh, if you're a chance the rapper if you have some sort of platform where people follow you and pay attention to what you're saying if you understand the um i guess the climate of where we're at in the country and understand kind of like where we are in this election comments like why not kanye or asking why not kanye at this point, moment in time prove to be more of a distraction and not helpful to anything that we're trying to do um so i hope that you know celebrities going forward can probably just like pay more attention to the process so they can provide more of a helpful um, conversation. Like maybe back when we're, back when there were 16 Democratic candidates and Kanye was like, let me decide to run. Then Chance the Rapper can say like, well, why not Kanye? You know, at that point we can at least have some sort of conversation where there's 16 people, not when there's like an obvious choice. We don't have time to talk about a third person at this moment in time, so. You know what? I'm I'm not gonna talk about Chance Rye. I'm I'm worried about uh, voter suppression. I'm worried about COVID nineteen blowing up in our communities. I'm worried about police reform. I'm worried about real issues that that our community and in our our movement um, for justice is facing. And so uh, we don't have time for a sideshow. Um, what I will say is that I appreciate the advocacy of folks like LeBron because it's clear that he's picked up a book and that he phoned a friend and knew what they were talking about. Um, and I don't think uh, black voters uh, will be fooled by uh, someone that has not. Black voters are savvy voters, voters who um, decide to participate uh, because they're motivated by uh, the message that they hear. Um, they're motivated by the needs and the interests of, of our communities. Uh, and so I'm not, I'm not worried about the, the Kanye West distraction. Um, I really want us to have a conversation and, and focus on how do we movement build? How do we bring people in? Um, and, you know, I think Mr. West is a, is a, is a, is an example in a conversation, um, in its own. Um, but more broadly, we talk about, 
um, J. Cole and No Name beef um, or that, that discrepancy. We, we, you know, let's, let's build a movement that, that brings um, folks who have platforms in and folks who can encourage people to participate um, and to build a movement. Let's have a message and, and some action that we're willing to deliver um, that meets the moment. I think that's what motivates uh, people to participate in the process, whether their platform comes from uh, their celebrity on the basketball court or from uh, um, their advocacy in the street. And Chris, I really have to kind of credit you a little bit with changing uh, my mind because I know we had a previous conversation about this and I was like, I don't need no celebrities to talk for me. I'm already out in the streets. <laughs> like I was very much so. Let and then it hit me after the conversation we had about, you know, celebrities using their platform for good about the Taylor Swift effect. In 2018, Taylor Swift got on her Instagram and was like, hey, this is what's at stake, you all need to go vote. And within 24 hours, the state of Tennessee saw more voter registration um, requests or voter registration forms filled out than they had that entire year of 2018. Mm -hmm. She literally spawned thousands of new voters. I think it was the number of 65,000, yeah, according to CNN, in 24 hours because Taylor Swift made an Instagram post. And that is when I'm like, you're not speaking on behalf of the community, but you are using your platform to the best of your ability. And like, that is what I value. I, I think one thing I'm wondering too, I think we all, I, what I'm hearing is that we agree that platforms do matter. The people wielding the platforms matter. So how do we handle someone, a cousin, who uh, isn't using the platform right? Do we just cancel them outright you know cancel culture is the big buzzword nowadays i don't know if anybody really gets canceled but um is that what we do do we just cancel them out or do we try to do we try to teach them we try to be like hey come, come here bring it in because you know when chance was talking uh he was getting dragged i don't think it was a lot of education mm -hmm. yeah well you know uh, my hashtag for this year is check your cousins 2020 <laughs> I like that it. is yeah that is my hashtag on all my Definitely. posts for the rest of the year is check your cousins 2020. <laughs> so much of our conversation has been about uh, calling people out and calling people to account and I think the energy that we've seen and and look I'm the first person to tell you that Twitter is not the real world or the universe right it is a, it is a small portion of of what's happening in the United States, but valuable conversation nonetheless, and, and a place where folks are engaged about issues that matter. Um, and so I think calling people to account is important. I think the way that, that so I'm the biggest Chance Rapper head any of y'all know, and, and I think that people calling him to account for foolishness, because that's what it was, um, is important. At the same time, you know, we talk about and, and we, 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 we talk about King a lot and we talk about movement building. We talk about this beloved community. The beloved community didn't throw people away. Beloved community was not about tossing folks out. It was about bringing them in. And so difficult, though, it may be uh, uh, in some instances and with some with some folks, I think it is important to say, hey, you're you're misinformed. Um, what you're doing, though, you might think it is, is not helping the movement. Um, it's not moving, moving us in the direction that the community needs to go. And so um, if you're movement aligned, brother, come over here, sister, come over here. And I think that has to be our approach because when we, you know, try to um, throw people out or, or, or cancel people, whatever that means, Brandon, to your point, um, online, we don't movement build. 
that's not movement building. And so we have to be about bringing people in. Um, that's the only way we're going to build, um, you know, what so many people have been talking about the last couple of days, this beloved community, um, and, and build the movement that we need to elect people to higher office um, and to change policies at the state and local level. Yeah, Stephanie, what you were talking about earlier, um, and going off of what Chris just talked about, like ce celebrities have the power to amplify um, a message like you mentioned with Taylor Swift. And if there were more celebrities that were more informed with what's going on, like a chance the rapper was more informed with what's going on, um, he could potentially do the same and amplify the movement rather than becoming like a distraction where he's not doing something to help the movement. And so in that instance, we do need to bring in, um, um, we do need to have some movement to bring people that aren't aware of the, um, the political process and the things that we're going through right now. Um, so we can educate more celebrities so that they can correctly amplify the things that are important right now for them. And, and there is a worthy discussion to be had about, you know, how we get liberation outside of the system of elections. There is a worthy discussion there. It's just not right now when you actually need exactly. to do it. Um, I think that discussion needs to be had after you do your duty <laughs> that so many soldiers have have, you know, died for, you know, we, we just uh, lost two greats, um, civil rights soldiers who literally had their blood spilled for our right to exercise um, our, our, our duty to vote. And so it's important that we just show up and, and do that, at least, at least to fulfill what their life's mission and legacy is, to honor that um, and to kind of just see it through in a sense, right? I mean, that's, that's what they, it's what their whole, life's work was about was making sure we could have the privilege of walking to the ballot box and casting our, our ballots. So let's do it. Let's do it. And I will say, you know, uh, my last thing to say is, you know, Brendan, you saying that and just like looking at all of us and what we're talking about, like it got me a little choked up because uh, the first time and the last time that I saw Representative John Lewis in person, he said, to us in Fayetteville, North Carolina, that we need to be missionaries spreading the word of the right to vote. Mm -hmm. And with his just recent passing and what we're doing here and, and just feeling like we are telling his story by doing this, like it's, it was, it's just overwhelming in this second of like, this is what he said to do, to get in the way, to spread the word and um, the fact that, you know, 50 years after Bloody Sunday, we're sitting here on a podcast as young Black people in America with the right and the luxury of voting in so many different ways, um, as well as, you know, just spreading that message. Just, it gets me all in my feelings. And uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's good to know there are still soldiers on the battlefield. Mm -hmm. That's right. Mm -hmm. You got to keep that fight going. I was sad, you know, last week, uh, you know, initially. And... Yeah, I think we're always sad when our when our greats die, when our icons um, die. And I think for a lot of us, the people that, that inspire us to get involved in this kind of work pass on. Um, you know, my father said something to me that was really interesting. Um, and it was that the, the thing that those people leave behind is us, inspired people. Mm -hmm. And so I think if you can, if you can attempt to live your life 
inspired by these folks. They they certainly are still here with us. And that was just something I was like, okay, dad, I see you. And, and so it was just really like a, a way to think about, um, to your point, Brandon, how do we continue and build on um, the work of so many uh, giants who, who brought America to this point? Indeed. Got to carry that torch. And that's, that's part of why we're here and why we did this podcast to uh, help do that and to help uh, keep the marathon going. And um, we're going to keep fighting until the battle's won. That's what we're going to do. So I want to thank everybody for tuning in to this first episode of Young, Black, and Political. We also want to thank Loud Frequency for the music you heard uh, coming in and coming out of our podcast. Make sure you follow Young, Black, and Political on Instagram. That's Y-N-G-B-L-K Political. That's how the cool kids spell it. Y-N-G-B-L-K Political on Instagram. And uh, yeah, we're going to continue these conversations. Chime in with any questions you have on our social media channels, and we'll be happy to address them. Until next time, stay black, stay woke, and get out and vote.